Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Film Review. Movies, music, culture, politics, society, podcast. Interviews, movie reviews, and more. Live Sundays at 5.30 p.m. on Facebook at Crazon Dion. Hey everybody, this is Lunell, the original bad girl of comedy. I'm here at the Link Promenade in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're watching the film review. Welcome to the film review, movies, music, culture, politics, and society. We are the husband and wife team. I'm Crazy D. Tracy. And we review movies, music, culture, politics, and society. And do we have a great show for you today. Let me say first that this is, ladies and gentlemen, this is. The 101 show. Wow. The hundred and first show. Wow. We're broadcasting lively from yeah. Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. That's right. Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. Telephone number 213-943-3358. That's 213-943-3358 if you want to chime in with us. We have a jam-packed show as mm-hmm. usual. We are reviewing uh, one called They've Got to Have Us, right, from off of uh, Netflix. And we're also reviewing another one called uh, called Hunters, right? Yes. That's a a Amazon Films, uh, yeah, Amazon Prime Films original. And it's based around a true actual story called Operation Paperclip, and we're going to be uh, talking about that. But first, let's get into the blurbs as I populate, you know, what we're doing here, people. So look, this has been a very interesting week. Would you say it was very interesting? Very. I would say it was very interesting. Yes, 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 people. It has been a very interesting week. And you want to know why it's been a very interesting week? Because the pundits have been wrong. Everyone, all the punditry, all of the talking heads on television have been wrong. That's right. They have been wrong. You know, what have they said? They said Bernie Sanders had no chance. Bernie Sanders wasn't this. Biden was so great. And when you listen to Biden, you're like, Biden can barely express himself. He had the one town hall meeting on CNN where he tried to talk about stuttering and being a stutterer, right? And then then he just stayed on that. He stayed on being a stutterer forever and ever, 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 ever. How about the Nevada caucus? What about the Nevada caucus? 
Bernie Sanders is the official front runner of the Democrats. And what I cannot understand about what the Democrats are doing in their Democratic minion, mm -hmm. the ones, the talking heads on CNN and uh, what's that other channel that's starting to become really what, obscure? Oh, MSNBC. The talking heads, they're still talking negatively against the man who could possibly defeat Donald Trump. And you know what they put out there, right? You know what they put out there? Oh, they, oh, oh the Russians They go put to... out the box. Now, the my, thing is, my thing is, they have already told us that the Russians did not interfere with vote tallies. Okay. Right? But they say that the Russians are up to their same old tricks, right? Okay. But they never tell you what their same old tricks. They say they're back to the playbook of 16, right? 2016, right? They said they put these bots out on uh, Twitter, Facebook, other social media sites to make Hillary Clinton look bad. Right. Hillary Clinton didn't have to do, they didn't have to do much to make Hillary Clinton look bad in the eyes of black people. So if it's a, uh, they, they call it, it's a uh, operation of misinformation, right? But what if the information that you're getting happens to be true. Didn't she say super predators? Right. Didn't Biden do uh, help push through three strikes? Didn't Clinton bill sign three strikes into law? Isn't that what actually happened? So how could it be that that would be misinformation? How could it be that that would be misinformation? Maybe it is, if the Russians are putting out these bots, and then they say that they are helping Bernie Sanders, right? Right. The bots are helping Bernie Sanders. But actually, back in 16, Bernie Sanders had the same message, except for he wasn't far right. right. He was far left. He had right. the same message right. that uh, Trump had, except for his, well, his racism was masked in helping the people. Okay. Trump's racism was just out front. So here we are, right? So here we are in this case, and they just released it, and it's the uh, Bernie Sanders is the front runner, and the woman who had jumped from Bernie Sanders' campaign. Oh, okay, yeah. What's her name? Uh, Simone Sanders. Yeah, Simone Sanders. She, her last name was Sanders. That could have been her great, 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 great. Anyway, another story for another time. Right. But it could have been her great, 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 great. Right. But anyway, look, you know what I'm talking about. ADOS. But is she ADOS? Who knows? Who knows? So look, she jumped over to the Biden campaign right. early on, right? Right. Now, if you remember this person's name, her name was Karen Finney, right? Right. And Kenny, oh, right. Karen Finney was in yeah. head of Hillary right. Clinton's. Right campaign at 16, right? right? But she was also in head of the campaign that yeah. uh, didn't go when Obama beat her oh, 08, right? right? So when the way politics goes, just looking at it, once, strike one, they give you another chance. Strike two, you won't get a strike three. Plus you jump camp, you didn't know Bernie Sanders was cheated last time. You should have right. stayed with Bernie. Right. And then now Bernie is leading the way and he is not stopping and, and he won't go along with a contested convention. He is it, people, yeah. he is it. We were precinct captains right. uh, back in 16, right? right. And, and 
for for Bernie Sanders, right? But the way that they cheated him from out, it just put a bad taste in my mouth for politics in general, Democratic Democrat politics in particular. You know, it put uh, put a bad taste, and you know, I've never voted Republican, and so the Democrats had the person who could beat them and then they're, they're still on the news. What kills me about the talking heads, let's right. rewind and come back to the talking heads. Right. The talking heads and the pundits on there are talking negatively still about Bernie Sanders. Some right. are starting to come around, right. but others are trying to ridicule and say right. like Biden really has a chance. Right. Is the echo chamber <laughs> echoing too much? Like Biden doesn't have it. People don't like uh, Amy Klobuchar, she right. was shaking, and her and yeah. Buttigieg were getting into it, and she walked off the stage, uh, not shaking anyone's hands, yeah. and she looked like she lost it, like she was about to have a nervous breakdown. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? What's that movie we just saw with Marlon Brando? Oh, Streetcar Named Desire. Streetcar Named Desire. Right. You know how? What was her name? Blanche. Yeah. Blanche. Has yeah. a nervous. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the movie for you because you have to see a, a streetcar named Desire. But yeah. once you watch the film and then you go back and watch that debate yeah. or just that section where her and Buttigieg were getting at each other, it looked like that eyebrow was going up and it looked like she was about to have that nervous breakdown. Yeah. Right? So. Bernie is the front runner, and and everything that people knew, I knew once he got into it again, it was gonna be nonstop. Nothing's gonna stop him. He got two stents in. He said, "I'm going all the way, right, all the way. Nothing is gonna stop me. I'm not going to be chivalrous because there's no one to be chivalrous to." Uh, what's the one that Trump calls Pocahontas? Oh, Elizabeth Warren. Oh, Elizabeth Warren. Right. Elizabeth Warren. You know. She, when she was younger in college to get funding, I think that's the way the story goes. Okay. She, she said that she had Native American blood. Okay. And that's why Trump called her Pocahontas, right? Okay. Now, she has shown that same, mm, can we say in our opinion, conniving nature, you know, and... She was all on Bernie. She right. was like, Bernie, I am this. And then somewhere last week or a week and a half ago, she said, I'm a capitalist. Right. Right? And, and she wanted to uh, pull her away against Bernie Sanders. But before that, right. about a month before that, she came out and was trying to say that Bernie Sanders was sexist because he had told her in a private meeting that no one would, uh, that America wouldn't elect a woman president. Now, he was saying that in in what seems to be right now reality. Now, we don't know what's going to happen 25 years down the road, 30 years. But it doesn't appear that the American people are ready for a woman. It just doesn't appear to be. But she tried to make a big deal out of that. Then she tried to come up and confront them. They had the hot mic moment. And then her numbers started to tank, which proves what Bernie Sanders was saying. He wasn't saying it maliciously. He was just saying that these people are not ready because this has been a a patriarchal society for so long that it's gonna, they're going to hold on for dear life to the end. But anyway, 
So that's what's been happening as far as the, in the in the news is concerned. Uh, other things were happening. Uh, Trump actually pardoned. If you didn't know, Trump pardoned a lot of black people. I mean, or or gave clemency to a lot of black people this past week, but. Um, the media didn't cover that. What did they cover? They covered a uh, dude from Chicago. Right. They was trying to sell the Senate seat. Right. And then they were yeah. covering... The uh, Russians. Russian, and they were covering right. Stone. Yeah, Roger, right. Stone. Roger Stone. Yeah. So they were covering that, but they never told you that they actually... Yeah. He actually gave clemency or pardoned. Right. You know, Trump's re-election began... People forget. People, or maybe they don't see, but Trump's re-election really began when he pardoned Jack Johnson, the boxer. Yeah. And Mike Tyson was standing up there, and Lennox Lewis was standing up there, and Jack Johnson's family was standing up there. And I said then, I said, well, that goes about 10 to 15%. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, Tim Scott, the uh, senator, I forget where he's from, but Tim Scott, what, what state he represents, but Tim Scott said that uh, President Trump is going to gain about 50% more of the black vote. That's what he predicted, right? And so I said 65. I, I said total, he would probably get about 65%. So that means that he got uh, uh, 8 they, they say 8% of the black vote, 13% of the male black vote, right, out of that 8%. So it's around averaging out to about, if he says 50% more, then it's averaging about 60 to 65% more of the black vote. We're just trying to tell you what's happening here because the Democrats, when Democrats start to talk about immigration and about uh, a path to citizenship, in their ads, but they come around you and they talk about reparations. Which one should American blacks believe? Which one should American blacks believe, right? When they start to talk about that, and it really doesn't make sense because, like I said in one of my posts, Barbara Jordan, back in the 90s, it's called the Jordan Report, plenty of video on it on YouTube. When she released a report and said immigration is bad for American blacks. But the Democratic the Democrat Party takes that and start it, it took the report and started to push for more immigration. Right? More immigration. That's strange, isn't it? Isn't that strange? Yes, it's strange. So you know what's interesting what's is that? Okay, so Trump, mm -hmm. well, you know, we saw that he pardoned 11 people. Mm -hmm. Nothing on so that. So on CNN, you know, CNN's website, mm -hmm. so they're telling you about each person that was pardoned, right? CNN right. politics. Mm -hmm. And they let you know it's 11 people. Mm -hmm. And then they show you only the faces of some. Yeah, they only show you the faces of Rob. They show you the they show you the Caucasian faces, right? But they don't show you that, that, that's, that's their names. That's how they do it in the history books, people. Like when you hear, "Oh yeah, the filament was done by Louis Latimer," 
He was partners with, uh, you know, Thomas Alva Edison, right? And then so you hear that they show Edison's picture, but they don't show you Lewis Latimer. You right. just assume right. that it's another Caucasian. See how they play you. Right. See how the media is playing you, which that boils down to yeah. being stumped down uncategorically racist that's racist right that's racist to sit up there and uh purposefully purposefully lie to the people by just omitting a photograph right because they don't want you to know what's actually being done. So, so it's just strange like that, people. You have to be able to decipher through, right? So as we move into the American black politic on the show, we have a feature because we always have to tell you about the scientists, right? We always have to tell you about the scientists, or uh, inventions. American Black Inventions, and last week, as promised, right. the the critic okay. side, the wife side of yeah. the film review has just wanted to add just a few more to the list, right? Of, of uh, this is for people who are big in science. Here are five examples. Yeah, science medicine. Um, yes. Like Percy Julian. Mm-hmm. Can remember if he was on the list or not, right? But he uh, was a civil rights activist, medical professional, scientist, chemist, and academic, right? Mm-hmm. So Percy Julian, he was a research chemist and a pioneer in the chemistry synthesis of medicinal drugs from plants. Guess which drugs? Which one? Okay, so uh, these are just a few, right, of the many that he... Um, Invented, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, working with different like plants and well, the first drug, you know, from a plant is the cortisone. So we all know about cortisone. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't have the cortisone without him, right? Steroids, mm. right? And uh, birth control, along with many, many other drugs. Okay, so that was that was a surprise. Because I just think about how just about like when you're sick, right, um, for pain, um, for breathing issues, respiratory, we use steroids, you know, whether it's in tablet form or through, you know, an inhaler, right? So, um, yeah, so when I found that out, I said, okay, we have to talk about him. Um, another person, uh, Patricia Bad, mm-hmm. right? She, I learned this a few years ago because my grandmother, she had um, cataracts and she mm-hmm. had the cataract surgery. So Patricia Bath, she invented the cataract laser focal probe, right? Mm-hmm. So why is this important? Her device used an inventive method of removing cataract lenses with a laser which was more accurate than the drill-like instruments that were in common use at the time. Mm. Okay. The New York ophthalmologist invention 
was patented in 1988. She helped save the eyesight of millions and even restored the sight to people who had been blind for more than 30 years. So, that is, see, yeah. you see people, the instruments that are being used, the, the, only, the only question I always have to ask is how come the people who invent don't pass on their things to, uh, to the next group of American blacks to continue on? It always seems to fall into the hands of uh, non uh, American black people and then they take it on and then people assume like the big lie is that everything is invented by Caucasians in this society and that's yeah. not true. Yeah, like Patricia Bath, she's still alive today. Still alive. Yeah. Okay, so this one was interesting. This isn't in medicine, but this is technology. Mm -hmm. um, the home security system, you know, mm -hmm. and it made me think about the commercials on television, you know, with the cable company that, you know, most of us are familiar with. Mm -hmm. And they show this commercial with all of the cameras in the home. And you can be at home. You can be on vacation. You can be at work no matter uh, where you are. Even in your own backyard, you want to know what's going on in the front of your house. Through your cameras, from watching your phone, or on your computer. Mm -hmm. Guess who invented the home security system? Give give it to him. What, what's, he, what's, he, what's he American black? She. She. Was she well, American and her brother? husband. And yeah. her husband. Her name is Marie V. B. Brown, right? So Maria and her uh, husband, Albert Brown, who was an electronics technician, mm -hmm. and she was a nurse, right? Mm -hmm. So um, they were tired of people uh, breaking into their home. Mm -hmm. So they decided to come up with the system. Okay, they also have a patent for it. Mm -hmm. And then the patent number and everything was online for it. Um, so what they did was, let's see. What they did was, uh, well, their patent was filed for their home security system utilizing television surveillance, a closed circuit television system known today as a CCTV system. So they poked holes uh, they mentioned the peepholes. They mentioned the cameras. Uh -huh. They mentioned just like, um, like even the sound. Mm -hmm. And they and the husband, like I said, was an electronical technician. Mm -hmm. So they came up with this idea, and he set it up, and they patented the idea. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, the patent was granted on December second, nineteen sixty nine. And they created the first home security system. So I found that really, really, I mean, that was, I was like, wow. Is that not interesting, people? Is that not interesting? Like, the things that you just take for granted. Everyone uses the system, like, the bank's surveillance, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just, you know, when you, uh, gosh, just driving down the street. You know, they also mention how the, the, the security, the cameras that are on the electric, uh, what are the traffic lights? Mm -hmm. Like surveillance, you know? So, uh, but yeah, they kicked it off with the home security system. And, that's um, and Jesse Russell, right? This is really small print, so. <laughs> okay, so this, Jesse Eugene Russell 
um, was an American inventor, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he trained as an electrical engineer at Tennessee State University and Stanford University. So he holds the patents, multiple patents. He's still alive today, right? Mm-hmm. So he, um, let's see, he shaped the wireless communications industry. 4G? Mm-hmm. Okay. That sent women now. 4G. We're just not coming into 5G. Yeah, so and he, I could could be 5G. he could be 5G. He could be 5G. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, he's still working. Yes. In industry, right? Yes, you see what I'm saying? So he's so, coming up with these formulas, and people are uh, talking about things that black people have come up with, right? Yeah. But you know, of course, black people also, if you lift, if you watch the first Terminator, mm-hmm. what was that Terminator 2? Where where you find out there's a black man that actually created the uh, first uh, put the uh, first robot online that had uh, artificial intelligence that stood alone. They came online and became aware of themselves. Right? It was a black man in that story. So it's right. a lot of black people that are actually still inventing yeah. and creating, so and you have to know this. So he, um, okay, so I told you that he's an electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, he trained at Tennessee State University and Stanford, Stanford University, working in the field of wireless communication for over 20 years. Russell has helped shape the wireless communication industry direction through his leadership and perspectives for standards, technologies, as well as new wireless service concepts. He holds multiple, multiple patents and continues to invent and innovate in the emergent area of the next generation, broadband wireless networks, technologies, and service. There you go. So, um, yeah, so I found that quite interesting. So I think about all of these commercials with the wireless, all of the telephone companies and all of these different, I was like, wow. Then a black wow. man made that, right? You see, okay. you see what's going on, right? You see what's going on? You see what's going on? Yeah, you see. So my last, the last person that I want to talk about is Alice Ball. What I found interesting about her is, well, oh, let me talk about it. Alice Augusta Ball, right? Um, she's no longer here. She died December 31st, 1916. She was born July 21st, 1892. Mm-hmm. And, July, and died December 31st, 1916. Mm-hmm. She was an American chemist who developed the ball method, right? Mm-hmm. The most effective treatment for leprosy during the early 20th century. She was the first woman and the first African-American to receive a master's degree from the University of Hawaii and was also the university's first female and African-American chemistry professor. So uh, prior to her invention, she, her invention made the um, the chemical soluble for the body mm-hmm. because others had, uh, had their own forms of um, getting rid of uh, leprosy mm-hmm. but there were many many adverse uh, reactions to mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. where hers um, the oil that she created that was injected into the body 
um, was comparable to our to the body system. So the body accepted it. She died at the age of 24. Mm-hmm. And so it was a mystery to me. Um, so of course they said she died before her work could be uh, patented and before her work could be uh, documented. So I thought that was kind of so for those just coming in this is the film review movies music culture politics and society i was doing some population here listen we have just went through we have one more oh that's it. no that is it we have just went through five american black inventors in science in medicine. Some who are now dead and some who are alive today still creating. Still creating. Right? Right. Which brings us to our topic today, right? Our topic today has to do with pan-Africanism, right? So this is the American Black Politics segment of the show, right? So the American Black Politics Includes science, includes math, includes invention, includes uh, talking about issues that uh, affect and uh, effect. Also arts. Arts. The American Black politics, right? American blacks in this country. And nothing affects American blacks more than immigration. Barbara Jordan already told us that. You know, you can't change it. That's the way it is. Came out in the report. Everyone knows it. And if they go opposite of what she was talking about, then you know that they might not be for you. So now. And this is like history month. So we had to kind of throw in because when we were in school, we learned about the same. They gave us the same people, same people. which is fine. It's, it's cool, but there are so many, so um, many more inventions that were created and patented by uh, Black Americans, right? Yeah, that's right. By so, American, you know. So, so we look. thought it was important to kind of education is important. That's right, and this is the last. This is the last. Uh, is this the last Sunday? Sunday. I believe it is. Yes, the last Sunday. Okay. Right? This is the twenty third. Yeah, and, and, then, and the month ends at the 29th. Right. Right. So yes, it's the last. Right. Yeah, and then so although uh, you went through a list, and then I added five more, mm-hmm. there were just so many others. So it's just like so much that you can learn online. So much you can learn online. And you can, and you know, teach it to your children and family members and learn for yourself. And let's take it beyond uh, February. Like so history the people, month. so always remember the it's premise that part we... Part of history. The premise that we told you last week. Right. Those who actually did the work create inventions to make the the work less toil and easier to do the work right so who would actually be so american blacks could never be a minority some one a, a group or a person who cannot do for themselves thus they need government assistance have never been that. Now you right. could be placed into that right. 
you know, purposefully by stripping jobs out and doing that. But we were never a minority because the people who create inventions are the ones who did the work. So wouldn't the people who never did the work, but just maybe oversaw it, wouldn't it be the minorities? Because if we took all our inventions back today and they couldn't use it in all the patent, they would be pretty much just minorities. But anyway, okay, people, so look. The topic for the day is, is it Pan-Africanism when the resources all come from the United States? Now, originally when I posted this, I said America, but we have to get into the corporate status of what the United States is, right? So the United States, and when you say the United States, that is a different variation. The United States of America, then America is a slightly different uh, designation and what we're talking about. So, is it Pan-Africanism when the resources all come from the United States? And the question is, who profits and who is doing the spending in Pan-Africanism? So, before we go any further, we need to tell you what Pan-Africanism is. For those who haven't watched our previous shows, real quick recap. Created in North America by Martin Delaney and Alexander Crummel. The basic premise of Pan-Africanism, or the basic uh, purpose, is it's both a cultural and a political ideology for the solidarity of peoples of African descent. So what it's saying is that Africa is the continent with 55 states. That the whole purpose of, of doing it is being able to incorporate the whole African diaspora that was dropped off in different places, if not already haven't had traveled themselves. But let's just stick with this, keep it basic. Dropped off during the slave trade. And all these different people, Jamaica, Dominican Republic, Haiti, uh, America, uh, the British uh, Isles. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's, that's what the premise is to bring the people together to be uh, political and cultural. Sometimes though just the cultural part is used and this is what we're going to deal with tonight. Okay. So let, let's break, so let's give a little more history, a, a little, or let's give statistics now, right? In numbers. Let's give numbers. There are 37,144,530 American Blacks in America. That will make us 12% of the population, right? Now, here, here's the kicker here, right? Here's what makes us 14%. Including mixed race, the number jumps to 42 million. That makes us 14% of the population, right? I still believe that number is low because these are census numbers. How many people never open the door when the census guy comes around or the census lady comes around, right? African immigrants by the 2000 census out of the 55 countries in Africa, immigrants come from Nigeria, Egypt, 
Ethiopia, Ghana, South Africa, uh, some uh, Somalia, mm -hmm. Eritrea. That's where um, Nipsey Hussle's people came from, right? Yeah. And also and Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish. Haddish and Kenya, right? right? Those are the top countries persons come to the United States from in the immigration system, right? Additional countries. Liberia, Morocco, Cape Verde, Sierra Leone, Sudan, which is South Sudan, right? Now, now, now sit back. Now, look at the number. Now, now, I already told you that it is 42 million American blacks, including mixed okay. heritage, right? 42 million, which makes us 14% of the population. There are 2.1 million African immigrants by the 2000 census. They are the least group in America to live in segregated communities. Hmm. Let me say that again. They are the least group in America to live in segregated communities. Right? It appears to be innocent, right? It appears to be innocent, right? Okay, right. so let's break this down. American blacks who believe in the connection between Africans and themselves welcome African immigrants mm -hmm. with open arms. Mm -hmm. Clustering Africans into the group into the group of black mm -hmm. uh, like black Americans are clustered but so let, let's go let's go again so they come with open arms and they cluster African immigrants into the category of black like most American blacks are uh, categorized as black right mm -hmm. but most Africans don't cluster themselves by black nor do they cluster themselves as a group African. They cluster under their country and more specifically, they break down who they are by tribe, Igbo, Yoruba, etc. right? Not to mention the African immigrants' main goal is one of remittance. Okay, so what do I mean by remittance? Right. Results in immigrants remaining in the U.S. is okay. what uh, remittance causes, right? Okay. Take Nigerian immigrants. By 2012, an analysis, $6.1 billion has been sent back to Nigerian, to Nigeria, okay. to family members. That's 3% of the Nigerian GDP, right? So what, what I'm saying here, when I'm talking about remittance, their main purpose is remittance. Their purpose is to send back to fund their family, to take care of their family. They, re, they remit these funds back, right? And because... You know, they remit their funds back. $6.1 billion has been sent back to Nigeria, which makes that 3% of Nigeria's GDP. That's pretty large there, right? Results, this results 
and immigrants remaining in the United States. Now, what they're supposed to do, well, we're gonna get to that, we're gonna get to that. Instead of leaving immigrants remain and sponsor other family members, Pan-Africanism was created to connect the African diaspora globally and to and the push was for Africans to come to the United States, uh, connect with American blacks, be educated, and return to the respective countries to build Africa for the diaspora of Africans globally to have the motherland as a resource to build, travel, to connect, right? This is why the question is, is it Pan-Africanism when all of the resources come from the United States? That's why it's the question, right? How come the African immigrants that are coming today, Pan-Africanism was created here to connect, to build Africa up so that the African diaspora around the world that were dropped off by slave ships in different places would have a home hub to work with because at the same time, the Europeans at the same time were dividing Africa up to take it for its resources. That's what Pan-Africanism is actually about. But remember I said the culture, instead of the political side of it, The cultural side has been pushed as if black people, as American blacks don't have culture. We're going to get to that though, right? Somewhere, the African immigrant didn't get the memo about what Pan-Africanism is and what it isn't, what it's supposed to be. Culture versus knowledge. Culture versus knowledge. When American blacks ask Africans about their countries in Africa, it's not because we are longing for a quote-unquote culture. It's American blacks being kind, doing the Pan-Africanism connecting thing. What we've been fed, because what we've been fed is Bones and noses running around naked in the bush. That was National Geographic all throughout the 70s. You couldn't go without opening up a National Geographic. National Geographic has cleaned up its act now. But before, National Geographic was about African breasts and ass. That's what it was about. And it was, but you know, it's just, it's just. What we've been fed. Are they so, part of Disney, man? Who? Which one? Warner Brothers cartoons. Warner Brothers cartoons. Was that Tom and Jerry or no? Tom and Jerry. I, I think. I think it might be. Right. Disney bought up. Yeah, they they bought they bought up everything. But Disney also had images, you know, that definitely were not flattering to uh, black people. They did. Yeah. They sure did. So, so yeah, so that's the reason, you know, that's kind of like, oh, I can't remember, remember if it was Wendy or who it was, but uh, this one particular post was just saying how um, 
you know, growing up with people of different cultures, it was uh, interesting to you be over one. Oh no, that was Melissa Ford on um, Hollywood Unlocked. And she talked about growing up having friends of various cultures. You know, you would go over to their house and learn different things about their culture and certain foods. And so, I mean, it's just the same thing, I would think, right? So when the uh, black, well, when the black um, American blacks interact with uh, black people from the different countries in Africa, mm-hmm. you would like ask questions and you know, want to learn more about their culture, just, you know, comparable to, you know, the um, example Melissa Ford gave, you know, because, you know, just wanting to know about other cultures. It's just a normal thing to do, right? Normal So when you're interacting with your friends and, you know, so... Did you think of your friends? Right. That's what you would do. So that's normal. That's normal. Yeah. It's not abnormal. Right. Right? It's just normal... Right. It's a normal course of the day that yeah. you would sit up and you would right. actually do that, right? right. So you would actually do it. You have your friend's house growing up and then you're going to eat what they're eating, right? This is true. So you learn about different foods and different music and so it's nothing strange about that. So, but yeah, so when the the one, I can't even think of the artist's name, the woman, uh, she's not an artist, isn't she a media person? from Africa and she was on the Breakfast Club and and she mentioned something about um, uh, what, uh, black people I guess asking her questions and she kind of thought that the questions were being asked because there was a lack of culture on the American black side and there was like a longing for but no I think it was just kind of like getting rid of the, the, the bad um, the barriers well, the barriers and getting rid of the lies right. that have been told to everyone here in this country over the years, this image that we have been given um, regarding um, Africans about the bones and about the savages and all that kind of stuff. So all of that is is reaching out and learning the truth, you know. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. So th- th- that's that's what that's a real part. I'm, I'm I'm working to do a salvage job here because they just. They somehow killed the signal. I'm seeing that there's uh, something here and I'm trying to do a salvage job. So just stay with me for one second, people, while I fix this right here because I don't know exactly why it failed on uh, Facebook, but it did. And so I'm just. Well, while you're doing that, we definitely have to give our um, condolences and rest in peace to legendary. Model, restauranteur, and chef B. Smith. Right? Yes. So, you know, she passed away. And um, she died February the 22nd, 2020, at 10 50 p.m. of early onset Alzheimer's disease in her home in Long Island, New York. She was 70 years old. And um, she was known for, I remember her television show, right? Mm-hmm. And where she would do like a lot of the well lifestyles. So cooking and arts and crafts and you know, basically um, what Martha Stewart is known for. B. Smith was known for uh, the same thing, but B. Um, was also a model and she also owned um, but yeah. So she 
passed away. So our condolences to her and her family right. and friends. So, you know, this always happens, people, when we get on a subject matter that is uh, is uh, possibly contrary to what people will really like you seeing or will really hear. It is sometimes happens, but we're also streaming on YouTube. So you can go right over to the YouTube. The YouTube has not been interrupted. We're on uh, the Film Review Life channel on YouTube. So it hasn't been interfered with. And I'm looking and I'm seeing that uh, the new uh, broadcast that I put up is still working. So we're going to keep on going here, people. Okay, so hopefully this is uh, set right. So now, people, so back to culture versus knowledge, right? Now, what we've been fed, I told you that, we've been fed bones and noses, running around naked in the bush, booty scratching savages. From cartoons to Tarzan on Saturday morning. Johnny Rock Wise Miller. We fed that. To movies, art, postcards, etc. American blacks have a well defined culture. Let me repeat this again. American blacks have a well defined culture through struggle, fraternity, sorority, advancement, organizations, church, and the Music, right? In culture, music is the lifeblood of a culture, and American blacks, now listen to this, music is the lifeblood of a culture, and American blacks have six various forms of our existence and various genres and subgenres of our culture and music. We have six various forms of our existence talking about our existence in this country called America, right? Six different, six uh, various forms of our existence and various genres and subgenres of our culture and music. One, Negro spirituals. Two, gospel. Three, blues. Four, jazz. Five, rhythm and blues, uh, acronym R&B. And six, hip hop, right? All of these musics have traversed the world, right? Have enabled people to travel Right, hip hop is the number one music in the world. However, out of all the music, hip hop is the number one music in the world and around the world. The way we talk, the way we walk, the way we greet one another, the way we love and hate at the same time is our culture. The way we create organizations to uh. I can't read my own writing. Oh, the way we create organizations to coalesce around 
a united thought. Right. That is our culture. The right. way we coalesce right. to create organizations around a united thought is our culture. Right. The way our way our fight to be free brought civil rights to human rights. Right. The way our fight right. to be free brought civil rights to human rights. That is our culture. Even if all do not participate. And many only know MLK's I have a dream speech. The continued struggle to fight to be free is the connective tissue to American black culture. Won't the remitting Africans get on board? You know, uh, there's a song that says, get on board. Curtis Mayfield, won't you get on board? Won't the remitting Africans get on board to see Pan-Africanism truly manifest? Is it Pan-Africanism when all of the resources coming from the United States are paid for by American Blacks? Misuse of the Pan-African tag on events is what we're talking about. American Blacks spending their money to buy Africans who do not put back into the African Black cause is no better than American Blacks shopping with Caucasians, API, or Arabs with the dollar going back in to build without the dollar going back in to build American black society. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. If the dollars that uh, are spent by American blacks trying to have a connectivity with African immigrants under the guise of pan-Africanism, but the dollars never go back into the community, the neighborhoods for American blacks, just like they don't go back into when API, that's Asian Pacific Islanders, uh, Arabs, or Caucasians have shops, and those monies don't go back into uh, building American black society, it's all the same. There's no difference. So it's under a guise of Pan-Africanism, but it's the dollar is only going one way. Right. And for us as a people to promote the dollar only going one way and not seeing the dollar go into what it's supposed to do. If you're going to stay here, because remember, Pan-Africanism was about us pushing to get Africans from the different countries over to educate themselves, then to go back to their countries and to build Africa up to be the utopia for the African diaspora around the world. That's what it was. Right. Well, now there's a shortage of, um, what's it, Dr. Mumby? Um, she did a story um, saying that they needed more. Uh, African doctors to come back to like uh, some of their countries because there's a shortage of doctors in Africa. And, and see, that's what I'm saying. 
They are not following what Pan-Africanism is, but they will come here. They will stay here. Because she was saying, even if like, even if they did like some type of rotation, where you know they would just come to, you know, their country, and um, and help out. Specifically, um, I know she mentioned she mentioned various countries, but like she said, like in Nigeria, she said even if they come for like a, a and all come together, you remember she said like build like maybe some type of hospital because they're in need of um, hospitals there as well as um, physicians. And even if they did some type of rotation where they came back to uh, Nigeria as well as other countries and they stayed there for like a few months and then they could come back to America, to their homes in America. But she said even if they did some type of rotation because they are in great need of doctors. Right. And so, so that, that even bolsters the point even more. Africans choosing to stay in America is not part of the deal of Pan-Africanism. It's not part of the deal of Pan-Africanism. It's just not. It's just not. What was that, the uh, go back home, the anniversary? Was it uh, when many um, black Americans went to Yeah, to back Ghana. over to Ghana. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So, and then... Um, some, you know, decided to get their um, repatriation papers. Right, you know, so. Right. So, for goodness sakes, the African comes from the continent that has all of the raw resources and if they had unified and fought like American blacks fought for civil rights, Africans for a free Africa from European and now API colonization, they would have control of the raw resources. Where is the fight? Where is the is the fight to like black people in America? American blacks made it good for others to come over and to capitalize on what we fought for to make it better for ourselves over here in this country. Yeah, not just for Africans. They made it better for like all groups, whether they came from um, the continent of Africa or whether they came from um, like uh, South America, um, you know, all over. No, what I'm saying is the people... No, so I see what you're saying, but I'm just making it a little broader. Um, the Google did a commercial. Matter of fact, uh, the NAACP award show was really good the other day. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, they gave a, a presidential um, honor. They gave an award to Rihanna. Her speech was just like wonderful, phenomenal, so, phenomenal. So if you get a chance, Google it. Right? But Google did a commercial, and they said that the most what was it searched the, the hugest movement ever for a group of people was the civil rights movement. Right. So as far as, you know, standing up for issues and for just for everything, which opened up the door for not only American blacks, but for uh, people of color from all over the world, whether you're um, 
uh, Latinx, right? Or uh, what did you say? You said the uh, uh, Asian Pacific Islanders, right? Right. So, whether, like for all groups, like that civil rights movement, like opened up the door for like everyone, right? Right. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, it opened up, but it, but it was primarily set up. All of the laws that were passed in the, from the Civil Rights Act of 1866 all the way up, Civil right. Rights Act 1965, right. uh, 1964, uh, Civil Rights Act 65, right. Voter Rights Act 68, right. uh, Fair Housing Act was all right. written in for a group of people who had been, right. it was our being a protected class. Right. All of these other people now have profited off of it. Right. And how come you're not in Britain? How come you're not in Africa? How come you're not in Jamaica fighting like the American black folk? But everyone comes over here and then they want to act like black people don't have culture. They live within our culture every day. The Caucasian lives within our culture every day. Everything everything that we invented is our culture in America. Black culture is American culture. American black culture is American culture. So that's why everyone needs to use their voice when they see horrible things that are happening, like in the black community, you know? And um, because black people, we have a history and a record for standing up for other groups consistently, all the time, you know, Um, helping one helping other groups but it's not reciprocated as much as it should be and uh, like Rihanna said tell your friends to well she said pull up right and so people so when we're talking about because this is an economic a social economic political and cultural situation it's just a slight disconnect in people who come over here who think that black people don't have culture. I just laid out a whole culture and just, well, not the whole thing because there's also sub-levels and everything to the culture, right? And people come over. So, no American blacks shouldn't fuel the rise of African immigrants in the United States under pan-Africanism until the the minds get right. How are we uh, paying out and uh, they, they hold events and the money only goes one way and they're remitting back to their country and they're uh, trying to bring more people over. 2.1 million by the 2000 census. What is the 2020 sense is going to tell you. Right? So, I mean, it's really strange, but this is what we're talking about. What's weird to me is, what's the percentage again? Did you say 13% of um, American Blacks? It's 14%. 14%. Including mixed race people. So, why is... So, uh, Joe Bud, I mean, Joe Biden, right? Mm -hmm. So, he keeps saying, we saw him on television this morning, and uh, and how you know black people, you know American blacks. Uh, I guess the caucus is coming up. Where is it in the, South Carolina? In the, South Carolina, 
and how um, that community is going to, he's going to win the caucus. And then what did you say? You said, why isn't he... Why isn't he talking to everyone like right. he was before? Because Trump is talking to Caucasians. Right. Right. And the, the policies that he is putting forth right. indirectly are helping American blacks. Right. And he's done things right. that directly help American blacks. But how right? does Biden think he's going to win with just like... 14%, 14 of the population. You can't win the presidency like that, right? And then I'm just so over watching these different uh, talking heads on television try to throw the, the entire burden of um, on black Americans, American blacks. Oh, you know, if you... If you get out there and vote, then Trump won't be in office and da-da-da, and, and if, if, you know, black people, the black vote, the black vote, the black vote, and I'm like sitting here thinking, okay, so, but why aren't you speaking up? So if we're talking about uh, so going back to the civil rights, right, and uh, under the civil rights, what falls under that the civil rights bill? Uh, minorities and women. Okay, so but we're not addressing all of the white women that voted to put Trump in office. That's right. But then you're putting a burden on black people saying, what did they say? Uh, this one, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Something, Johnson, that was on uh, MSNBC, the reporter. And he said something about uh, uh, there was like a million people or something uh, who didn't vote. But they voted during the time Obama was running, right? right? Black people. So I'm thinking, I was like, well, why don't he say, hey, we just need, we need everybody to come out and vote. We need to, and all the white women who voted. 57%. To, to put Trump in office, we need you to vote also. Like, so it's like the burden is always, and I'm like, did they forget that 50, what, percent? Of white women voted for Trump. I'm like, okay, are we gonna like just slide past that? <laughs> like, are we gonna like ignore this? Because we're not tackling that. So does that mean the 57% is still gonna vote for Trump again? Like, it's it's it doesn't make sense. It's like stupid, stupid, stupid politics. So it's really all a game. It's all a game because they really don't care. So. Pan-Africanism is good when um, African immigrants hold up their end of the bargain. That's when Pan-Africanism is good. Right? So so that's the point, people. So the whole point of everything, when we get into pan it's all good, it's all nice to say, okay, we're going to have these events and festivals and People come in, they're going to bring their wares. But the dollar situation has to go the same way. Or there has to be a certain percentage of the dollar that goes back into American black society. Because the Africans who are over here, who again do not categorize themselves as African, like black people will say, oh, we're all black. No, they don't do that. And they don't, they, they go by the country they're from and they go by specific specifically the tribe that they're from, right? And they socialize and build from that, right? So 
if they're not standing up on the end of the bargain, which was to come here, be educated, go back to the countries to build the country, to build the 55 countries, so it would be a place for African Americans to come, Jamaicans all to come, the world. all to come, the diaspora. The diaspora. Then you have to start changing up what Pan-Africanism means as far as the dollar flow. This is politics. This is economics. This is, our dollar can't go out like, if, if we talk about the Arab or we talk about API right. or any other group that comes into our neighborhoods to into uh, American black society to sell their wares, but no money is ever put back in. Right then you, the, the Africans that are over here talking about Pan-Africanism, oh yeah, brother, 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 they right. know better than the Arab or API or the Caucasian. I'm just tired of reading in the papers, watching on television, all of these politicians that are running for office. They're all uh, pandering, especially, let me go back to Joe Biden, okay. So, oh, you know, I have the black vote and I have the black vote. And it's just like they all want, it's like, it's so funny to me. Okay, so you black people come out and vote for us, right? But I don't have a, a, a plan for, I don't have the reparations planned for you, right? So I don't have anything in your community. I don't have reparations for you. But I want you to come out and vote for me and put me in office. Right. So then my focus is solely on immigration issues. But you people that put me in office, I just need you to put me in office and you put me in office and then you move you all just move over to the side. And when once I'm in office, my focus is on immigration issues and not the people in America who put me in office. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's quite interesting, quite twisted. Quite twisted. And I just sit and I watch these, these, uh, who are these people when they go back and forth on these shows? Like the CNN, pundits, the talking The different heads. talking heads, specifically the black talking heads. And I kind of just look at them like and shake my head. So I'm like, so are you from the lineage of the people who were on the plantations? They kept running to the master's house telling every time you heard about the slave rebellion that was going on. Because clearly you're not speaking for the black community because I'm not hearing reparations come out of your mouth. So, so, so we believe that we should reach out to our uh, brothers and sisters within the Pan-African movement in Africa if these are what the... Uh, immigrants are actually doing. We decided we would reach out to them because you see these people. Africa is rising as far as our listenership, right? And so we want all these countries to fill in so we can really talk to you and get this underway. If you come over... Everybody you start working together Ghana, and not against... Ghana or Nigeria, if you, if you come over to America and you find out that America is good and you said you're going to remit and then try to um, bring more people over, get their visas, uh, sponsor people to come over. Trump has already put a halt to that. He's showing you what it's really about. Right, so that's why. Sorry if you thought you would come over and just trample over 
um, uh, American blacks or whatever and say, hey, we can just take this over. Well, he's showing you that he's stopping remittance because look at the size of Africa. America can fit into the, in Africa four times, three or four times. That's how big it is. All of the resources in Africa and you're coming over to America to do events and everything and say, hey, brother, 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 and, and take money from American blacks but never put nothing back? Yeah, it's just that people need to, it's time to start actually like working together. You know, everyone needs to start working together. Like Rihanna said, pull up, right? Everybody, everybody should be there for one another. And everybody should stop this on their own self-interest. So that's the hard. So, that's the hard. Work medicine. together. That's the hard medicine. Right. Of People it. need to put their prejudices and racism aside and work together. Their prejudice and their bigotry of culture and that word that they that, that the Nigerians use of Akata, They really need right. to stop that because I would think, just I would think that. The ones who would actually be a kata are the ones who can't have control of their own country. So I mean, they're coming over to the United right. States. Look at the United States. The United States can fit in there three or four times. I enlarged Africa because that's actually how Africa is. It might even be even bigger. But this can fit into this three or four times. And you have all the raw natural resources, the cell phone uh, uh, minerals that make cell phones work come from one of these countries. I forget right now, it's 55 right. of them. I forget which one it comes from, but it comes from there. How come you don't have control of the raw resources? There's no need to come over to the United States other than to be educated, to go back to build your individual countries in Africa and then come together as the United States of Africa. What's going on? But like, yeah, like for all people, like actually, like I said, for like all groups, like need to come together. White, Asian, not, Latino, XO. No, but what we, I'm we, saying we is, is that, and, yeah, and, no, but what I'm saying is, it's not on our, on the black Americans. Okay, so we, in our, our, relatives and our forefathers have given you the foundation all you other groups right here in America right so we've given you the foundation so now it's time for those groups to right, pull up and be to, on our exactly, side to and, be on our side not your side right our side and come together and get rid of the prejudices but, and racism and all right, of that but, but we're not going to but we're not right. going to come to come together and then say, well, here, let's work on our thing. No, we're working on American Blacks thing. That's it. Okay, people, so moving right along, we have a, a, our first uh, review of the night of film is they've got to have us. Right? they got to have us. Now, this is by, this is on uh, Netflix. It is by uh, African British director named Simon uh, Frederick, right? It's a docu-series on Netflix that traces the history of black cinema, right? It, it, it represents black, it's all black as diaspora, as if it was speaking on the African diaspora, right? Released in 2018 is a three-part 
document which doesn't scratch the surface on what's really going on, right? Simon Frederick, director, he's a photographer, a filmmaker. He created this docu-series, right? It's, it's, it's only three parts, right? Didn't cover much of anything. He is a British African who's, whose point appears to be to introduce British actors to America by intermingling British with American black actors, uh, established black actors, Debbie Allen, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the established actors they have on there, uh, Boys in the Hood, uh, what's his name? Uh, Cuba, Cuba Gooding, right? And so his whole thing is to introduce um, British and African actors. But he right? didn't have Idris Elba, which is And I'm weird. getting ready to get to that, though. But that John, John Boyega is not the lead in Star Wars. In the, in the latest Star Wars uh, thing, the very first one that came out back in 17, I believe, when he pops up and he, they he takes the Stormtrooper hood off, helmet off, he is not the star of the film. Because they had him screaming through the whole thing. Right. And he's made to be a feckless character on and off screen. The uh, Simon Frederick person, the director of this, he talks Sidney Poitier. But he leaves out Idris Alba, who is making a big break in America. Why? Really, who to me opened up the door for a lot of the British over yeah. here in this country. Why is it? Is it because to get the big break, Idris acted like an American black, and that's a disgrace? Well, see, he see, he, Idris he Alba to, to get a get, role. He did. He walked into the room, and the people assumed because his accent was that of a American black. To get his role on The Wire, he walked into the room, assumed the character all the way through from walking in the room, talking, shaking hands, all that, giving his resume, his headshot. He was uh, an American black to them, and he did it because he didn't believe that he would get the role if he went into the American black accent. Uh from out of the actual British accent that he has. Is that not a disgrace? Well, you know what? What I took from it was... That he did the thing. was acting. So he came in and auditioned. He walked in using his accent. So he was acting. Kind of like, who was that? I can't think of the actor or actress, but they said they came to the audition in the role they had on the tire, they had the face makeup they had, and they got that part. But I can't remember who it was. But he came in the door with the uh, black American accent, and he got the role for The Wire, right? Got, but, but, but what I'm thinking is, is that maybe he didn't have the time, or maybe somebody didn't return the phone call. So this guy was a little um, not too happy about Thanks. it. Yeah, and decided not to even put him in there at all. But I thought that was weird to not have him 
in the documentary. Right. How come the British, the African British actors don't fight like we fought and uh, continue to fight? They say stage and film in uh, for African Brits get no play. This is what they say on the documentary. It gets no play, right? So they're not getting any roles in British movies because they matter of fact they're, aren't they expelling Africans oh, from out yeah. of Britain right now? Right. So yeah. they, but how come you're not fighting to be on those stages, right? So they come to America. That's not how it's done. That's not how it should be done. Fight where you're at. That's part of the non-equity of Pan-Africanism. All of this, this is another example. We welcome the actors in with open arms. We've talked about a certain actor that had a shed out as far as the movie she starred in. Total shed out this season. What, what people learn is that it's a hard thing when American black culture cuts you off and they don't support you then the larger culture that is still running by number, by numbers, then will discard you because they say, oh, you don't have any support from the American black society that actually makes the American culture run, right? So they've gotta, they've gotta have us. They really don't need, but anyway, sound. Let's break this down by number. Sound, 10. Photo, uh, photography, 10. Integration between photos and live images, 10. Uh, research, I get out of six. That was, that was a shoddy research. Mm-hmm. Uh, length, only three episodes. I give that a three. What would you give uh, They've Got to Have? Everything um, you said. I agree with. Um, um, but what? I was just the same numbers. Um, but I was shocked that, um, like I said, that they left out a few people. I was shocked that they used, they showed Beyonce's um, video, but because the, they, I, I guess the purpose of the documentary was they talked to different actors and they talked about different directors. But they talked, they showed Beyonce's video that was um, directed by Melina Matusukas. But they didn't mention the director's name. Like they showed the video she directed, but they didn't even mention her. And I thought that that was weird. How could you not mention her when she not only directs for multiple people, but the video that you were talking about, which is the Beyonce video, Melina directed, you didn't even like mention Melina at all. Right? And um, and I thought it was weird that Idris Alba wasn't even mentioned in the documentary. And so, and this was a, what a, a British uh, what photographer, black man, actor, that actor. And he didn't even, and then you're talking about the history and to not, as you know, to totally leave him out was surprising to me. I, I would say so. So what would you give it? 
You're saying the which, which but no, I haven't gave a main number. What's your main number? Come on now. I mean, I like the graphics, uh -huh. and I do like the actors that he's like I, Harry Belafonte. Okay, let's not beat around the bush, Chris. Uh, what, what, what's the number? <laughs> uh, so I guess I would give it. Um, I'll give it a seven. Seven. That's it. I gave it a seven point yeah, nine. I All right, people. So. You know, that's, uh, they've got to have us. Then, you know, if you didn't really fight what year did for that come it, out? Uh, 2018. So if you really didn't fight for it, maybe they didn't, they, really, they don't really need you. Because you're not fighting in the countries of where you are born like American blacks have fought for Pan-Africanism and to be free. Maybe that's part of and black culture fights and for rights and protests. Yeah, American black culture. Alright, people. So, the last show for the night, which is an episodic series that is on Amazon Prime, it's an Amazon Prime original, is called Hunters. Now, if you notice in the writing, we said Operation... Uh-oh. We got a phone call. Uh, seven, uh, seven, five, seven. Let's uh, seven, five, seven up and see what they're talking. Seven, five, seven. Turn, turn, turn the uh, turn what you're listening to down. Turn us, turn us, turn, turn, turn us down so that we can have a clear signal on you, so that we can uh. Hello? Are you there? 757. Okay, the, the, the lines are intertwined. Let's just cut that. Call back 757. We'll bring you up. She's in this right now. I don't know what's going on with that. But we did have a phone call, but you know. Make sure you turn everything down so that we can hear, so you can hear us and we can hear you. Um Hunters. If you notice that we um, put up in the writing Operation Paperclip. This is what this story is based on. The story that incorporates the truth Nazis after World War II American government hired Nazis at NASA to bring about scientific advances, right? Nazis living in Alabama amongst former soldiers and helping to advance Jim Crow. That's called Operation Paperclip, right? The purpose of Operation Paperclip, uh, U.S. government, the U.S. military, wanted an advantage over the Soviet Union during the Cold War and the space race. So Operation Paperclip was conceived on July 20th, 1945. The concept of using Nazis who were actually war criminals to uh, come into NASA, take over leadership of NASA to beat the Russians at the 
space race and to come up with use their advanced warfare against the Soviet Union in case the Cold War turned into actual war right so one night on October 22nd 1946 2,200 German specialists with their families total 6,000 population were moved into mostly Alabama because you know Alabama is close to Florida Cape Canaveral and so they could travel there but while they're there these are the people who created the ovens who persecuted not only Jewish people but they also persecuted the uh, black people especially the mixed race people who came from the Africans who came over to Germany to work and you know that German women were like hey good looking what you got cooking and then nine months later so you know not only in the concentration camps were Jewish people but also black people mixed race people right so let's look at this and, and, and if you actually know the exact history the first people who actually came in and liberated them were black soldiers black soldiers were the first to walk into the concentration camp and free the Jews but when the the rest of the army got there they came in they switched out say thank you inwards get back in the back and then they reenacted the white soldiers coming in so the very people who Jewish people once funded the slave trade because there's multiple groups of people who are involved in the slave trade. Mm-hmm. The money figure came from the Jewish people. The very people who they helped enslave were the ones who came and liberated them. The first soldiers liberating let that sink in. Let that sink in for a minute. Let that sink in. And let, let's go forward now. So look. It's a multicultural cast. Because the storyline shows you where these Nazis have a sinister plan. And so it's a multicultural cast, right? So Al Pacino plays Meyer. Offerman, Offerman. Think about that. Offerman, Offerman. Now, that, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Logan Lerman plays Jonah. Right. Jerrica Hinton plays Millie. Okay. Tiffany Boone plays Roxy. Okay. Louis, oh, I can't remember. Azama is yeah. Joe. Yeah. Uh, and Katie uh, Morbay is Sister Harriet. Now that's just some of the cast. And then you can go through the others. Um, did you say uh, Josh Ratner? No, I didn't. Um, Greg Austin, Lena Olin, um, Dylan Baker, Carol King, and Saul Rudnick. 
Right. So this is a, a pretty much an all-star cast, and it's all coming together to tell this true story, a, a true story about opera. The real, the real piece of it. The, it's based on, but I'm saying the real point of this fictional story around hunters of Nazi war criminals is the true story of Operation Paperclip. Paperclip. So let me say this again. The quote-unquote fictional story of hunters is to actually expose the public to the larger disgrace of bringing in Nazi soldiers to the heads of Nassau just to outdo the Russians during the Cold War and the space race. I mean, this is like uh, really something. And meanwhile, these same people are set in Alabama. And what was happening in Alabama in 45, 46, 57, 68, 72, 2019, and those thought processes still existing generation generation after the accents are gone and the southern accent is picked up and they have intermingled in these people who are 16,000 I mean excuse me 6,000 put into Alabama they gave them homes and jobs land right um, Meanwhile, they're working alongside hidden figures. Right. The women who, yeah. So, meanwhile. Do you, you hear this? So, the reparations was just going, just everybody was getting. Everybody was getting. Except for the, uh, American descendants of slavery. Right. So, so again, those were been jobs to train because there are black scientists. They could have been in Nassau heading away. You know? And so then you start to figure out and you start to see, okay, we, we finally exposed the hidden figures right. or the women exposed right. it, right? right? But why was it hid? Because there were Nazis in charge right. who did who believed that even though they couldn't say it anymore, they right. believed that Nazis, the Aryan race, were superior. So, of course, they would bury the fact that it took a black woman the ability to make sure that Armstrong could get back to Earth. Hmm. Let that sink. Let that just sink for a minute. Not only that, not being just putting a little compassion on it. Think of all of the Caucasian soldiers from America. They were probably bigoted, you know. But they went over and they fought. They got their limbs blown off. They came back disfigured. They came back maimed or they came back psychologically damaged. And before the July, they relived battles because of the fireworks. Meanwhile, Nazis were given a wonderful life here in this country. A wonderful life. Big beautiful homes, nice Big, jobs. Big beautiful homes. 
They're given careers. Given careers. And so this is another example of what needs to be piled up onto reparations. The the uh, the taking away the possibility that American blacks could work at Nassau and and get the glory and And, have generations. And the women that did work there, look how they were treated. We didn't we cover the hidden figures film? I believe we reviewed that film. Yes, we did. And look how poorly they were treated. How poorly they were treated. And then in the end, they brought in at the end of the movie. You see, they wanted they brought in white women to be trained. Who were those white women? Were they the the Nazis? Were they the wives of the Nazis? Could be. Let's take this call. Seven five seven. Seven five seven. Who who's on the line? Oh yeah, Lorenzo. I, I can't hear you. Say it again. Uh, Lorenzo. Lorenzo. Okay, okay. Let me let me open it up a little bit, Lorenzo. What's on your mind, Lorenzo? Oh, I just wanted to, you know, like speak on the topic. Uh, you know, I, mean, I was trying to catch y'all before y'all had switched it over. Um, I was. I like I understand. Um, I, know, I guess y'all referring to the new movement, uh, like your your Vic Carnell, Tonyo Tonyo Moore, uh, where they you know they speaking on. I guess in particular, uh, what you say, uh, you know, black foreigners from different countries and stuff like that, and how uh, you know certain more people struggle in this country as open the door. Um, for many groups to come over here and have a, a better way of life and not have to face, um, you know, what Black America faced historically. You know, you came over here after basically the West was won and settled and was able to come in and, and you know, do something for yourself without interruption, without bombed out cities, without redlining. Uh-huh. Uh, without you know the historical baggage that Black America has or whatever, uh-huh. and this you know it's all true. You know, um, I think this uh, you know in all honesty it was it was usurping by the dominant culture. Uh, you know to bring in other groups that can benefit um, from one people's struggle, and like I said, even if you was to go to other people's countries, you know you're not gonna have the same equal rights or the same access to politics uh and you know in their countries you know so, so I, I understand and that's 100 percent correct uh, analysis of the situation you know i think that they need to have some major civil rights uh, reforms in, in their um, countries in, in their countries right that's what you're talking about because Pan-African, well, no, I, I wasn't really too much speaking on ADOS, though that is something that is right there in the peripheral. But what I'm, what I'm speaking on is what Pan-Africanism is and how Pan-Africanism is supposed to be. They come here, they educate themselves, and they go back to the country of their origin within the 55 countries of Africa and build Africa oh, wow. out so it will be for the diaspora of Africans that were dropped off by slave ships around the country. But when you're looking at Africa 
America could been there three to four times. They have all of the natural resources and they should fight to make that what their plan of Pan-Africanism is, which is the 55 countries turn into 55 states of Africa and fight for that and go back and fight and quit coming over here and saying that we don't have culture when our culture spans the globe. Music alone. Music first. Let's just say music. Culture, how we dress, how we walk, our movies, our fight for civil rights. Shoot, uh, Nelson Mandela said that looking at King is what made him aspire to do what he did in South Africa. So it, it all germinates from the American black. And so that's more what I'm speaking on on that. And I'll give you your last uh, word here before I go to the next caller. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand, you know, where you're coming from. I think that, you know, but it seems to me that, like, many people that, you know, immigrate to other countries from the continent, a lot, you know, I would say probably about, like, 80% of them stay in the countries, you know what I mean? A lot of people, you know, simply like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the continent, a lot of, you know, the, the mismanagement of things. So a lot of people... I think that when you talk about pandemic, that that's something that is more was left in a certain generation of, of people. I think now that most of the people that I see that immigrate from African countries, they pretty much like the dominant number stays in those countries for ten to twenty years. Maybe they might retire, maybe they not, but a lot of people don't really want to go. So, but I understand where you're coming from. It should be that return, but a lot of them people stay. You know, stay in America or stay in Europe or the Britain. Or yeah, but see, what right now, Eastern, right, right, far east, but. yeah, right now to close out the the discussion, go to the next caller. The British are expelling Africans, so we, we'll leave hmm. it right. We'll we'll leave it right there right now. And thank you for calling. Hopefully, you call in again on our next topic next Sunday. We come on from five thirty p.m. Uh, Pacific, eight thirty p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Thanks for your call, Lorenzo. No more Okay, so let's go to 864. 864, you're on the line. Who are we speaking with? Hey, what's going on? This is Brother Equal Nation, South, South Carolina. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? South Carolina on the line. What's going on? What's going on? Are y'all voting for... Uh, Sanders down there, or is the media right about uh, Biden? What's going on? Well, uh, you know, as we as, as black and African in America stand for keeping our situation in 2020. Okay, uh, well, hold on, hold on. I want to hear you. Wait, 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 wait. I want to hear you. Are you on your speakerphone? Because you're breaking in and out, and I want to hear what you have to say. Can you go to just to your ear so we can hear you? No. No, I, I, I have uh, I was close to a fifth, so that that might have been it. Okay. I don't know if it, you know, if I might have been um, you know, if the wind might have been blowing. Can can you guys hear me good? Okay, I'm better now. You're better now. Go ahead. I want to hear you. Okay. What I was saying is that I, I heard you guys speak about pan Africanism. Okay. Uh, and at the core, what being a pan African truly genuinely means is basically. The, the African and the diaspora. So you're not only talking about the Africans on the continent, 
We're actually talking about the Africans here in America. And I think, you know, what you guys are, are speaking about that is stressing our growth is imperialism, is capitalism, is monopoly. You understand? We as African people, whether it be on the continent or either right here in, in, in America, we're still dealing with the, the harsh effects of imperialism. We're still dealing with you know, the harsh effects of white power, white premises. You understand? Whether it be they talk about their situations in Africa, in Australia, what is it? It goes on all around the world. But no, everybody looks down upon the black man, the black woman, and the black family. So we see, I think, I think inside being a past African, that means that when we, when I'm here in South Carolina, I'm not only concerned about the black or the African people here in South Carolina, but I have enough uh justice to 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 place a call on this line to speak with other brothers, other Africans and other places to have the same type of issues going on. You understand? Because we talk about racial injustices in South Carolina. We talk about how that thing happens in Florida. And when we look at it, the same thing is going on on the continent in Africa. And I think what what we see is a, a lot of black folk here that are fell out, that we think are moving in our favor, they're not moving in our favor. They're not moving in the mind of a pan-African or thinking for Africa first. Thinking for the black man, the black woman first. Therefore, that's why we opt out of being who we have genetically created in to now become something else. We still are, are seeing remnants of that. And we see that. We see a lot in America, whether it be the industrial, you know, everything that the public is named off, realize the uh, uh, industrial prison complex, how how the music is, that you got heard one of you guys earlier about the cost. Okay, I, I hope you didn't cut off. Are you still on the line? 864. Are you still on the line? If you get a chance, call back because I had... I wanted to follow up with you. I think what you were saying was real good, and I had a, a point. So if you uh, get a chance, uh, call back 864. If you get a chance, call back. We have 13 minutes left on the live broadcast, and then we'll give a few seconds on that to talk. But this is what I would say to 864. All the imperialism and all of that, the redlining and... Uh, speaking on the culture that is here in America, which permeates the world. Everyone wants to be an American black or the the people who come here as, okay, the people who come here as uh, immigrants. Uh, you're back on the line, 864? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, okay, okay. So this is what I was. This this is what I wanted to say. All of the imperialism and all of the redlining and talking about the culture that when we were speaking on the culture that uh, black people have made just music alone because music is like the heartbeat. And so we have Negro spirituals, gospel, jazz, blues, uh, R and B, which is rhythm and blues, and hip hop, which is the main crust of everything goes around the globe and it's basically everyone wants to be a hip hopper which means that they want to be an American black 
that's the way it is. But my question to you is, what does all of the imperialism and uh, redlining and all that have to do with the immigrants, the African immigrants that come over here to do not keep up the bargain of what uh, Pan-Africanism was? We fought for them to come over here, be educated, go back over to Africa to build Africa, get Africa free. So it would be the hub for us to connect, have connectivity, go over there to uh, to live possibly, or just to go over there to visit or just connect with people. What does that have to do with the African immigrants who come over here who have not kept up their end of the bargain? Well, I, I think, I think they have that whatever. Not only immigrants from Africa, uh, you have actual black people here in America that don't fuck their end of the bargain. A lot of times, those are the ones that get, you know, benefits from this system. No, 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 no. Okay. Let, 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 let me push. Let me push back because I, I, I heard that argument before. Let me push back because we got 11 minutes left and what you're talking. What's your name again? I want to say your name. Equali. 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 Okay, because um, what you're what you're talking is very interesting. So I want you to call back again when we have these topics because you know I, I like what you're saying. So I'm going to throw back counterpoints at you. It's not debating you, but just throwing back so we can build here. Okay, so uh, right, right. So when what does that have to? I still have to go back and say, okay, there are black people who don't keep their end of the bargain here in America, but what does that have to do with circulating the dollar? Now, we always complain, We comp some people complain or protest about API, uh, Asian Pacific Islanders having stores in our community, Arabs having stores in our community, black people only shopping with Caucasian. What's the difference when Africans have businesses in our community, but the dollar does not go back into our, into the American black society to build it up, being that they're not keeping their end of the bargain, which was to come here, educate yourself, and then go back and build Africa for our hub to fight European imperialism, European racism, colonialism, and and uh, and and turning and, people into slavery. And I and I, 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 I agree with you, but the reality is, is that none of these people that see their own these businesses have signed on for that reason. You ain't say what you or I may need to do or what one should be doing, but the reality is, even when you're talking about Africans, like even, and I'm talking down on Kobe Bryant, but Kobe and all of his feelings, don't you know when you go and check out some of the groups that he was helping, you know, it was a lot of white only. It wasn't a lot of black folks, so it's a mentality it's not only advised in African on the continent, it's advised in the African here in America. And okay. also collectively, because everybody's like, you can't see them join them. You understand? So nobody's going to talk about genuinely on the, on the forefront lifting up African people because as soon as you do, you know, you're going to have a target on your back. Because this system, even with Hoover, they had the Hoover actually launched uh, a commission called the Cointel Quote, basically to stop the rise of a black messiah or to stop uh, a come up of black people working together. We saw what happened in 1921 
So when we did have that Pan-African Forms Club, we saw what happened. They came and bombed it. America was the first, and to my knowledge, the only country that has owned as ever bombed itself. You understand? That, now that shows a level of hate where it would drop a bomb on its, on its own self. You understand? And right, 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 so right, right. We, 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 we know the injustices of what the Caucasian American has done, right? And we know what our black people are sometimes indoctrinated, many times indoctrinated to think that the ice is colder, money is greener. We know all that. But what does that have to do with the people who come here, who don't even recognize themselves as Africans. They recognize themselves as Nigerians, uh, Ghanaians, et cetera, et cetera. And even further, they go and break into, basically, I would call it gangs because they break into their cultural groups, Igbo, uh, Yoruba. And what does that have to do with them coming over, opening up shops where the money is remitted back to their country and there's nothing put in there. Could you would you agree with me that that's no different than what the API, what the Arab does, what the Caucasian does before? And they come over and let it one more thing. Unlike yeah. the Caucasian yeah. and the API, let, let me add one more thing. They come over and tell us we don't have culture. And when we're asking them about their culture, we're not asking them about their culture because we we don't have culture ourselves. We're asking to be kind because we've only saw Tarzan and the Africans running around in grass skirts of uh, bones in their noses or African booty scratchers or in the cartoons, the black bird and the little African spear chucker. Right. So we're trying right. to and learn. We're trying to. We're trying to we're trying to learn we're trying to learn uh, that you're not a savage like what they uh, showed us that you were. We're trying to say you're not a savage, but you're looking at us and saying, "Oh, you're as we're asking you about it because uh, uh, black uh, American blacks don't have culture." Well, it's, it's, it's the same, and, and in my opinion, as being a forty-year-old black man, niggas in America don't have a damn hope. In, in my opinion, and that's a fact because our focus is the one that now lifts up people like Future, who sings about selling drugs, who sings about doing drugs. You understand? This is a reality. So when we're talking about our culture, our culture that we embrace for us as so-called African or black folk is actually ran by our enemies. People like Rick Rubin, people like Leo Cohen, whom we don't know who. Who don't give a damn about our community? They're all running our culture, so they're running, they're running a parents a lot of times. They're running the very mode of thinking that our young children have, the songs that they're singing, the fact now that our brothers and sisters are fighting against each other because one hand's on red, the other hand. The same thing you're saying is, is going on in Africa, is going on here in America. Right, 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 right. Let, 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 let's get this. Let, let's get this in. Right quick, right quick. If I can get this out. Okay. Even for us, opening even for Ghana, opening up the of the return that has never been a cut. That will open up or open up the arms to us as black folks. So if we're saying that that's what's happening right now on the continent of Africa, 
I wish you had called earlier because this conversation is robust and we're exchanging ideas and we only got four minutes left, right? How far back does, how far back does talking about drugs in the music go? Do you, do you uh, believe how far back does that go in uh, the uh, American black culture Uh and music? It goes, it, go, it goes, it goes back, but it goes back even further than that. You know, Ella Fitzgerald has a song about cocaine. You can, you can listen to it right on YouTube. She has a song about cocaine, about using it. Uh, Cab Calloway has a song called Reefer Man. That was during the jazz, jazz swing era. So what, what I'm saying to you is, because of the artificial construct that we've been put in, it's like what you would call crabs in a bucket. The crab in the bucket thing is an artificial construct because in nature, the crab is very communal, family oriented, but when it's put into the bucket, it's trying to climb out. So putting black people in the ghetto, which was an experiment on Jews by the Germans, but as we talked about how the Germans came here in the 40s after the war, war criminals, but employed by the United States government. But even before then, putting black people into ghettos was an experiment, just like they did the Jews to make each other kill each other off. So for us to come from out of that and, and then clean ourselves up, like what the Nation of Islam would say, clean yourself up, come from out of that situation and they still trying to kill us. What are you going to talk about at first? Is what are you like? What Jay Z says? What would you? What do you expect me to talk about at first? And then, as you get to it, as you start to hear Jay Z, I'm just using him as an example of the whole archetype. As you hear him in the song, he puts little gems into his music. But where he came from is where he came from, and it just so happened that. Caucasian culture loves the gangster story, Godfather 1 through 3. They just happen to love that. They're violent people. They just happen to love that. But there's other hip-hop. There's Talib Kweli. There's Most Def. There's J. Cole. There's others that aren't spitting that. You know what I mean? But the youth, like I, I have a discussion with Professor Keedy, uh, and I said the youth, who is also a Pan-Africanist, the youth have to have time to be a youth. All youth is not the same. All youth may listen to the music and go on and go to college and do other things. Like I listened to Public Enemy, but I listened to NWA. I took the messages of self-defense from out of NWA, F the police. I took that. I went on to college. And right? you guys, y'all leaving out Benny Goodman. 
who's not even black. He made a song about drugs. Yeah, so so, so so that is there. They're just a violent people. And I'm going to have to end it right there because we've got 42 seconds left. Call back next week because we're going to have another topic just like it. I appreciate you. Last word real quick. All right. Talk with you. Yep. All right, people. So this has been another great episode of the Film Review. Movies, music, culture, politics, and society. And I give hunters a 10. I give hunters a 10 also. So people, check out what we talked about. We're going to be back on next week, uh, 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. And this has been the Film Review. Movies, music, culture, politics, and society podcast. Thanks to everybody who called up. We'll see you next week. We'll talk to you. And we are out. The Film Review. Movies, music, culture, politics, society, podcast. Interviews, movie reviews, and more. Live Sundays at 5.30 p.m. on Facebook at Crazon Dion. Hey, everybody. This is Lunell, the original bad girl of comedy. I'm here at the Link Promenade in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. And you're watching the Film Review. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.